All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Red Zone Power Play podcast. Uh, we are in week 14, or entering week 14 of the NFL season. Hard to believe that we are coming down to the end of the season, and playoffs are about to start here pretty soon. And we do have some uh, NHL news that we'll get to at the end of the podcast. And we'd like to welcome back our friend Dante. He is back with us here today. How are you, Dante? I'm good, man. I'm good. Glad to be back. It's been a while since we've been on the pod, but... Uh, glad to be back on here, you guys. Hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, we're doing good. And then uh, our usual intro. So I'm Eve, and I'm Zach. And let's just dive right into it, fellas. So we're gonna go with uh, Monday's game: Steelers Washington football team. And uh, it happened: Steelers lose their first game uh, to the Washington football team, twenty-three seventeen. Uh, you know, it, both sides looked bad from the beginning in the first quarter. Then the Steelers looked like they may have were going to run away within the second quarter going up 14 points. And then the third quarter was just absolute bad for the Steelers. A uh, couple issues with the Steelers, you know, cannot get the run game going that that's been an issue for the past three weeks or so, three games. And, you know, just uh, some turnovers as well. Ben Roethlisberger has unfortunately turned the ball over and uh, at least once in the past three games. Well, with an interception, but at the end of the day, the Steelers are sitting at 11-1, and still hold that tiebreaker of the Chiefs uh, for the top of the AFC. But the question is for all of us is, was this loss a good thing or a bad thing for the Steelers? Uh, whoever wants to start, go ahead. Um, I'm going to say it's a good thing. I think that this was better to lose now than it is to lose you know, a couple in a row going into playoffs or um, even going 16-0 and and then you know, maybe winning uh, – the, the the second round playoff matchup and losing in the conference final um to me this was the team that you kind of could see them losing to you know the Steelers always have a play down to your opponent game um and I think they're going to be pretty inspired the rest of the year here you know you got Buffalo this week big matchup really kind of just determines you know what what the team's made of um and then since the Indy and Cleveland um and Cleveland comes around we might not even be playing for anything anymore so um, you know, we might, you know, have the one seed. So you, you kind of just have to win the next three games before you, um, you really get into anything, but I think getting it out of the way and then losing to an NFC opponent keeps you in that one seed over the chiefs, um, because they have the conference division loss. But the big thing for me, um, like you mentioned, it's the run game. They truly can't get anything going with anybody. Um, even Connor before he got hurt, just not doing anything the last few weeks, they've relied way too much on Ben. Uh, I saw an interesting stat that in their in the Steelers' history with Ben Roethlisberger quarterback, when he throws more than fifty times, they're four and nine. So, um, just kind of shows that too much Ben is almost not a good thing. Um, he didn't really make mistakes. Sure, he had that pick; it was tipped at the line. So, it's not like he overthrew yeah. anybody. Threw in a double. Yeah, it wasn't his fault. It yeah, wasn't exactly. his fault. Exactly, and and that had happened so many times with the drops. You know, the people, the announcers had said, you know, the the drops in the middle of the field. There's defenders all around. It could end up getting picked. And he's the big issue for me with Ben right now is he's getting so many balls tipped at the line. I think that that's something they need to look at, figure out why. I don't know if the the line's not getting enough push, um, or if if his release is lower. Um, but whatever's happening, he's getting way too many tipped and knocked down at the line. Um, and that is exactly what caused that one interception that you know ended up sealing the game. So, um, the other side for me, the drops. We all have heard about it. Um, you know, Juju with three, Ebron with four, Johnson with four, J- Washington with two. Um, 
it's something that, you know, Ben, if he makes more better throws in some instances, you know, they don't drop the ball, but it's also on the receivers. But at the same time, the biggest thing in this game in terms of the offensive side, mostly special teams really was having um, Matt Wright. Sure, he was perfect on his three kicks, but if you have Boz out there, the the kick at the end of the, the first half, you would go up 17 nothing. They would send Boz out there to attempt a 48 to 50 yarder. Um, and then the couple in the fourth quarter where you would have had, you know, a 45, 46 yarder and some a little bit shorter, you send Boz out and he makes them. But this kid, you don't know. So um, as much as I hate to say it, yes, he's on an NFL team and he signed an NFL contract. But I think that they'd have been better off finding someone else um, that you trust. But that's kind of what I see out of the game. And TJ Watts, just an animal. Yeah, and can I just jump in real quick? I know you mentioned the tip passes at the line of scrimmage. How set are the Redskins at defensive end for the next like decade? They they have the best defensive line, like defensive front, moving forward in terms of skill and I mean, youth. My God, oh, I was just about to say, yeah, they probably have the best defensive front in football right now. Certainly, yeah, Chase Young and Montez Sweat coming off the edge for the next however many years. Like that's that's just crazy. Um. I think for the Steelers, it's a little bit of both, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Um, in terms of good, I, I think they needed to kind of be humbled. And like you said, it's a good thing that it came against this opponent in Washington. So it's not like you still hold the tiebreaker over KC. And if you're going to lose one of the games over this next kind of stretch here with Buffalo and the Colts and the Browns, this would probably be the one that you would want to kind of get, you know, the bad performance out of the way. Um, I would say that it's it's bad for them, obviously, because of the run game. Um, maybe they're handing out teams a blueprint as to how maybe they can be stopped or, you know, their vulnerabilities. But the same issues that this team has had in previous years, it, it just seems like it comes up still. And that's playing down, either playing down or sometimes playing up to their competition because we've seen it many times where, you know, especially coming off like bye weeks and stuff, they, they tend to play down if they play a bad team or if they play a really good team, you know, like they could come out and play a terrible game the week before and then the next week they'll play the best team in the league and they'll go toe-to-toe with them so um it's just something that i think has always been around with this team and unfortunately it still is and also you can't ignore the fact that this defense has just been decimated by injuries i mean devin bush you were able to kind of you know piece a couple players together to, to fix that but to lose bud dupree too coming off the edge kind of you know because you think about it Highsmith did a really good job in his first game, but he's not Bud Dupree. And a lot of that goes with, you know, TJ Watt's going to get double teamed, but a lot of times teams couldn't double team TJ Watt just because they had to worry about Dupree coming off the other edge too. So does this mean that TJ Watt's going to get some more attention? I mean, he did in the game against Washington, but he still proved that he's just a dominating force and probably the leader for defensive player of the year. But I think, you know, like I said, it's a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Uh, they need this team needed to be humbled. It, it's good that it came against this team. I think. I mean, and Washington's no slouch. I mean, that team that they, they got a good coach, they got a good culture, and they're playing hard. And you know, like I said, you can't ignore the Steelers' injuries, and then also playing however many uh, a lot of games throw over the schedule changes because of COVID. So, um, you know, a lot of adversity being thrown their way. And I know they haven't been playing good the last couple of days, but this might be the best thing for them. I think. Definitely. And you can't forget that they have Alex Smith at quarterback. I mean, he's he's been out of the league, sure, for two years, but former number one pick, a guy that 
is is the master mm-hmm. of you know running an offense, being a field general. I mean, the guy can work the ball anywhere. He's still mobile, even with half of a leg. Um, you know, he he's still Alex Smith. He still has the smarts. He still has the the skill set in terms of the arms and and keeping plays alive and being being able to direct an offense. So, um, yeah. you know, they they have a lot to work with. I mean, I was stunned too, kind of as that game was going on early. You know where. You know, the Steelers jump out to the 14 nothing lead and, you know, they come out, they get stopped on the first couple of drives and Washington has the chance to kind of get out in front. And we know Washington likes a slow start to every game that they play. But I, I mean, I really thought Washington was dead in the water after not being able to capitalize there and the Steelers jumping out. So I, I, that was surprising to me. Well, the thing is, too, and they showed the stat line in like during the game is that the Steelers entering a four Steelers coming out of the first half with a 14 point lead entering in the second half, too. 14 or more points, they were like 78-1-1, one and, one, and now they're like 78-2-1. and one. So, I mean, th- th- that should obviously tell us something there. But, you know, I got to agree with both of you. I probably got to go with Dante more because I think it's probably good and bad. Like like, like you said, Dante, just um, the defense has been decimated with injuries, obviously with, like you mentioned, Devin Bush, Bud Dupree being gone for the year. Now Robert Spillane, who's played – really well in Devin Bush's position, but it looks like he's going to be out for, I don't know, at least a few weeks, maybe the rest of the regular season. Th- that's just what I would do. Maybe rest him for the rest of the rest of the regular season, then bring him back come playoff time. But th- yeah, that has really decimated the Steelers defense right now. They're still playing at a great level. We cannot ignore that. They are still leading the league in sacks. They unfortunately didn't get a takeaway, which really would have, you know, been a game changer. It looked like TJ Watt was about to get a forced fumble. I mean, he stripped the ball out, but he just couldn't fall on the ball for whatever reason. And if you looked at the replay, I mean, he had his hands right there, but he just didn't fall on the ball. So I I don't know there. And then for the offensive side of the ball too. Yeah. uh, The run game needs to be improved. And this is something that I got to get off my chest too, because this is something that I went on a rant about with some people and everything, but and I even mentioned this on my Twitter, but we're paying Derek Watt like $9 million to sit on the bench and play special teams. Why don't we utilize this man in the full pack position? I mean, we'll see him in the offense only in like goal line situations. Why don't we go to like a two tight end set, one wide receiver in the I formation? Derek Watt, we brought Derek Watt in for a reason. Mainly special teams, but he's a fullback. Use him. Use a fullback dive. J.J. Watt tweeted it out during the game. Fullback dive. Just run the play. Get a yard. That's all you need to do. And I think Derek Watt would really improve this run game. And the thing is with Ben, too, is, yeah, just we cannot throw the ball 53 times. That's just one thing's for sure. And that's probably what makes Randy Fickner one of the worst offensive coordinators in the league is that we just abandon the run so quickly when it's not working. And, you know, Randy Fickner goes to be, goes in and goes and is like, Hey Ben, we got to rely on you to win us this game. Just like relax here and at least try to get the run game going. Cause I think, cause I think we got like what, 24 yards on the ground total. On, yeah, on, like that. I'm almost I'm almost certain Benny Snell had uh more attempts than yards. Eight attempts, yeah. five yards. 
We need to be, we need to at least run the ball like between 15 to 25 times a game. That That's what I feel like the Steelers need to do. I feel like that's more likely to happen with Connor coming back because yeah. he doesn't trust Snell. He's fumble, he fumbles too much. And McFarland's a rookie. He's a fourth rounder and he's a dude that like, he was always a backup in college. Granted, he's explosive, but he was never the bell cow in any offense. Yeah, let me just – another thing that drove me crazy watching that game was I – mean, it was a good play call. I mean, it was open. Maybe it needed like a little bit of a better throw. But on oh, fourth, I know what you're talking on, about. On yeah. fourth and one, why, in, why were we throwing a streak to Anthony McFarland? Like nothing against him, but like why was that the call? I mean, I mean, Ben even said in his press conference today saying that I should never have put a rookie running back in that position. Like, I don't know. I, I saw that and I, I was amazed by like on fourth down and one. And it was just like, I'm OK with taking a shot, but like, that's not the guy that you want to be on the no. other end of that ball. You give it's, that it's, to McDonald, Ebron, Juju, Johnson. Exactly. Claypool. I mean, hell, you give it to Zach Gentry before you give it to Anthony McFarland. I mean, yeah, it, it's. It's your worst choice of guys running routes. Granted, he was the one that was going to get open, being matched up by John Bostic or whichever linebacker, but he's a rookie running back who's undersized, playing against an oversized linebacker, and it's just not going to happen. Well, well, it's like we said, too, though. It's like Dante said, the play was there. Mm -hmm. Ben Ben just needed to place it more inside, like he said in his press conference. Places it more inside, that play is perfect, and it's a first down. And it might go for more. Exactly. Exactly. You know, oh, other, and, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say the other thing, you know, you and I had talked about was that DeCastro clearly is playing hurt, which plays into why the run yeah. game is struggling. And, you know, the big thing, not that Banner was a, a, a great run blocker, but don't, to me, he's better than his replacement. You know, Filer's okay. Villanueva is definitely not the same as he was three years ago. But, but Chuck is. Yeah, Chooks, he's not Zach Banner, which it's not saying anything. You know, Zach Banner's not an all-pro. Granted, he's young. He could develop into one. I'm not saying I love Zach Banner. I love who he is. But, um, you know, if you have DeCastro on that side with him, if you have Pouncey, that gives you your three – that gives you three three guys. you got Pouncey, DeCastro, and you'd have Banner. And then, I mean, I'm of the belief that Dotson needs to be playing every game. But – if, if DeCastro's healthy and Pouncey's there, the running game gets such a boost because those two are incredible run blockers and they they just move people. And you'll see Pouncey half the time if Connor breaks a run for 8, 10 yards, he's four yards ahead of Connor. Yep. Yeah. DeCastro's 10 yards ahead of Pouncey because those guys get it. Yep. These other guys, you know, Chooks is doing as best he can, and I get that. But he's not pushing the play downfield. He lets the pocket collapse way too much. Well, here's the thing, though, too, and, like, yes, it's Kevin Dotson should be playing more. I do agree with that. Here's what the Steelers could do. Matt Filer played right tackle last year. Yep. Move, yeah, move him to right tackle and put Dotson in at left guard. Yeah, I was going to mention I, that. I have no idea why they keep messing with Filer. Like, just put him back where it worked. That yeah, exactly. Played every line position in the league. Well, and then he, here's my other thing, too, is that, like, I'm going to go back to the drops here by some of the receivers. I love Eric Ebron. I do. And I thought he was a great pickup for the Steelers. But he's starting to look more like the Eric Ebron from Detroit. Yep. What I think we, what I think Ben should do and the offense should do is get Vance McDonald involved. Ben and Vance 
have had that connection for the past three years. And we're, we're just not seeing that this year. I know he had COVID earlier in the year, but still, it's like you, you have that connection. Just get back to it. Yeah, I, I think with Ebron, less is more. I think he's just he's seeing too many targets right now. Then, I, I mean, not that he's not capable of it, but um, I think he was he's not really meant to be like a main guy in the offense. You know what I mean? Like he's meant to be the complementary piece to the other guys right. on the outside. Like, I mean, that's where he where he would be best thriving in this offense. I, I just think he's seeing too much volume. They need to take that and, like you said, either give it to McDonald or maybe like even get like Juju or something like I. I don't understand why all Juju does is run uh, like screen passes like that. Like get him open, get him involved, run guys vertical and run him underneath. Like you got to find a way to get him going too. I think they need to go back to the 2015, 16 style offense where you have Martavis Bryant, who's now chase Claypool stretching the field downfield, getting the 50, 50 balls and winning them 60% of the time. Juju needs to run all of the physical crossing routes and Johnson's your AB. He's your poor man's AB. And Vance McDonald yeah. is an absolute tank. And Ebron, when he's not getting targeted 12 times a game, he will make that big catch three, four times. And at the goal line, he's a mismatch. It's not fair. Well, the Steelers really need to stop being such a one-dimensional offense because that's exactly what the Ravens and the Washington football team did, is that they exposed the Steelers' offense. Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they said it in their press, in their press conferences after the game, is that they expose the Steelers offense. Well, now that the Steelers offense is exposed, don't be so one dimensional. Go, go back to being balanced, get the run game going. Like we, like we, like we talk about. Yeah. And kind of building off that too. What, what, if you obviously 11 and one, you're looking at KC, right? You're, you're thinking playoffs. You're thinking KC. What's the formula to be? I know a lot of people don't be KC, but if you were to be KC, what, what would you have to do? You'd have to possess the clock and you have to be able to run the ball. Because exactly. they're, they're going to put up points. You got to find a way to keep that offense off the field for as long as uh, as you can. So you got to get out ahead. You got to control the clock, and you got to pound the rock, and you got to just you know keep them on the sidelines as for as long as you can. And I don't know if the Steelers can do that right now. Without I, Dupree, I, would honestly, I really yeah. I don't think. I mean, I know we were talking offense, but my mind goes to defense. T.J. Watt can do everything under the sun, but if Highsmith can't, you know, get to the passer a little more effectively, granted he's a rookie, and I'm not expecting him to, you know, sack, have five sacks in the next four games. But if he doesn't get to the passer more effectively, it's going to make it difficult for Watt to do anything. You know, Spillane, he's not an All Pro, but he was he was great, and it's tough because you got Marcus Allen playing linebacker, yeah, and that's not working out. So that's got to yeah. stop. Williamson like needs to play the snaps. Like I said, it's if like Highsmith, he's a good little player. I mean, he did good, but you got to factor in too that the teams weren't doubling TJ Watt as much because they had to worry about Bud Dupree on the other side. Now, now they'll just say, you know, screw it. We got Highsmith on the other side. We'll take our chances one on one with him, and we'll just focus to TJ. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, Aaron Donald makes that look stupid, so TJ Watt, I'm sure, can do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're that good, you're that good, no matter how many guys they put on you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next topic here. (laughs) Yeah, so our next topic here is going to be the Browns upsetting the Titans. Um, The the Browns look pretty pretty dangerous. You know, woke up feeling dangerous. Baker Mayfield, first half there, they uh, put up like 38 points in the first half, which was just ridiculous. I was watching that game, and uh, every time I flipped 
between that game and whatever was on Fox. Um, they had scored another touchdown. So looked like a premier team in the league the way that they played. But um, after the first half ended, they looked like the same old Browns that just couldn't do anything. Um, they kind of looked they were ready to lose that game. Um, the Titans put up like 32 points in the second half. So, um, you know, are the Browns a, a dangerous team? Are they a team that's going to make a deep run? Or are they just the same old Browns and nobody should really worry? I honestly think they didn't know what to do because they're not used to being up that much at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, though, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think they're they're like a contender right now. Would I say they're dangerous? Eh, I, I don't know. They might maybe win a playoff game, I would say. But even then, like, I, I think the defense is still a little bit suspect. And then you have to look at the most important position, which is Baker Mayfield. Um, if you put, I feel like if you put him, that this is what he's shown us this year, and I think, you know, last couple of seasons, if you put him in a position where he only has to manage the game, kind of similar to like Kirk Cousins, like then, then he'll be fine. But if you ask for anything more than him, then you're going to be in trouble. Um, obviously he has the fantastic uh, one-two punch of running back with Chubb and Hunt. And then the offensive line, I think, is ranked like second in the league or something like that. So they have that going, but they also have a lot of inexperience. I mean, I, ha- I don't imagine any of those playoffs or any of those players have been to the playoffs yet. And they got a first-year head coach as well in Stefanski. So, I, I mean, they're, pl- they're playing the right kind of football you want to play kind of down the stretch. They're hot right now, but um, I-, I might pump the brakes a little bit on the Browns. Yeah, exactly. And I was telling this to my dad and to my one buddy who's a huge Browns fan. Just um, they they got a great win. It was a good, I think, statement win for the Browns on Sunday against the Titans. Uh, I know they weren't able to really put the game away in the second half because they only scored three points. They they almost pulled the Steelers because remember earlier in this year, the Steelers got out to a jumped out to a big lead lead in the first half. Then they only scored three points and the Titans almost came back and beat them. But um, yeah, I, I just need to see more from the Browns. And just like you said, Dante with Baker Mayfield, he's very inconsistent. Like he had a great game in the first half. He really did in the, in the second half, they turned to more of the running game. And I think they kind of forced Baker to, you know, just be somewhat of a game manager there, but you know, just, he had a great game this week, but what's going to happen this upcoming Monday night on Monday night against the uh, Ravens Uh, is, is the same Baker going to come back or is the bad Baker Mayfield that we've seen last year. And sometimes even this year is, is that going to happen? Like, is that Baker going to show up? So that for me is a reason why I don't think they're going very far in the playoffs. I think they're a playoff team. They for sure are going to make it, but, Will they win a playoff game under Baker? Eh, I don't know. And like you said, Dante, that their defense is really suspect right now. Uh, Miles Garrett, we all know about. We all know about him. He's a game changer. Probably one of the best edge rushers in the league. But uh, obviously, not going to win Defensive Player of the Year because that belongs to T.J. Watt. But um, it, it also depends on if they can get uh, Denzel Ward. And is Greedy Williams on IR? Anyone know? I'm pretty sure. I think he's, if not IR, he's definitely been out for a few weeks. I was going to say, I was going to say, I haven't seen him in like forever. So, I, so, but Denzel Ward, it, Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett are their two best defensive players. And 
w- w- even without one of them, they're just not that good of a defense. Yeah, I think I think you look at the Browns as a team that has a ton of talent on offense, even without Odell, um, and he's not going to be back. There, there's no way. Um, but you know, as as Dante mentioned about these guys having not been to the playoffs, I was kind of thinking to myself through um, their lineup and on the offensive side, the only guy there, I think there's two. No, I'm sorry, three. Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, and Kareem Hunt are the three that have playoff experience. Kareem Hunt was in the playoffs, I think, once with Kansas City. Uh, Hooper once or twice with Atlanta. And then Landry, like, one time with the Dolphins. So, even with the playoff experience, it's not much. And Stefanski, I think he's a great head coach for that team. He really knows Baker. I think those two really get along. And I think Baker's a guy that um, kind of draws the reputation of a of tough to coach because he's very – He's very stylistic in terms of play action pass is his best weapon. Um, and if you don't have a coach that understands play action pass, then Baker's going to struggle. But I think, truthfully, the Browns, yeah, I, I don't know quite about dangerous. I think you're right, Dante. Pump the brakes a little bit. Um, but I think they're a good team. I think that, you know, a couple of years from now, we could be talking about a, a Browns team that can perennially win nine, nine, ten, nine, ten, eleven games. So, um, I think they're good. I don't know if they're really good yet. I mean, they're certainly a playoff team. Um, but, yeah, I think that they're a team that's got to get that defense short up and get healthy, too. I we think what's going to – Sorry, good. Sorry, good. No, no, I was – okay. I was just going to say I think what's going to happen is they're going to get to the playoffs and they're all going to be excited. They're all going to be, you know, riled up from the energy. It's like, oh, we haven't been to the playoffs in over 10 years. And then they're just going to maybe lay an egg against – against like Buffalo or Tennessee, whoever Giants they on the play. boat type stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like we're two years removed from Bud White opening up the free fridge and then winning a game for the first time in three years. So yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. I can see a Giants on the boat happening though. <laughs> Do you guys think Odell being out has helped Baker though? I mean, yes. I feel like yeah. he has. I feel like he's like not yeah. pressing as much as he used to. No more yes. diva energy. It's like AB. Exactly. As soon as he left, no more diva energy. Exactly. I mean, also, can we talk about how like hot and cold the Titans are? Like, my God. Yeah, they're a mess. I think it's, yeah. it's funny how Henry will go for 150 yards and the next week will go for like 25. Like, but it averages like, out to like 87 a game. So like, whatever. Like some weeks they look like world beaters, and the next week they just kind of, I mean, thirty-eight to seven at halftime against the Browns. Like it was, it was two games. I mean, you think about it, thirty-eight to seven, and then it was, it's, it's what twenty-eight to three the rest of the way, something like that. Yeah. Like how to, yeah. Like, I mean, Corey Davis went off. AJ Brown went off. But like, I just don't understand that team. Vrabel's got a great team on his hands, but they're something else. <laughs> like they. They're a team that literally nobody would want to play in the playoffs. No, no. not a chance. But at, no. but at the same time, they could just go out there and just completely come out flat and just, you know, get crushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see. So, <laughs> um, other Another playoff team here, uh, moving on, we got the Rams played the Cardinals. Uh, the Rams uh, beat up the Cardinals in in uh, Arizona 38-28. to the Cardinals dropped to six and six. Uh, they're a couple games back in the NFC West. Um, yeah, we do have an expanded playoff field, but um, they're certainly in need of some wins. Um, does do the next two or three games here become kind of must win for the Cardinals? What do you think? Absolutely, absolutely, it's must win because I'm looking at the playoff picture right now. Well, 
I, I don't know if it's must win, but I mean, you got to look at the Vikings schedule. Actually, no, it is must win. You got to look at the Vikings schedule too. I'm looking at the Cardinals schedule here and they got the Giants. They got the Giants this week. Then they got the Eagles, the Niners, and then they finish up with the Rams again. I think that they, I think they'll beat the Cardinals. I mean, the Giants, but the, with the way that they're playing, I don't know that that's no gimme. And then the, the Eagles, I, I don't know if that's a, a gimme either. Uh, we'll get into this later, but I mean, Jalen Hurts will probably be starting that that game as well, and we'll see how he does. But um, I, I would think that they would win that game. The Niners, maybe. Maybe I think they would win that game. And then the Rams again, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's really funny because ever since that Hail Mary or Hail Murray, as people like to call it, they lost three in a row. They, they, they were sitting pretty comfortably on top of the NFC West, and now they're on the outside looking in in the playoffs. So the, these next three games, four games for the Cardinals are very important for them to make the playoffs. Um, but I mean, we'll just have to wait and see because their defense isn't really playing too well. Uh, Kyler Murray is still playing at a good level, but I, I just think we need to see more from him. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it, it certainly doesn't look good for them right now, does it? Um, like you mentioned with the tough stretch coming up with the Giants, uh, the Eagles, the 49ers. I think that 49er game, obviously a lot of these games are must-win games, but you they got to absolutely have that one, especially with the 49ers still kind of being in the hunt, I guess, a little bit, even though they got beat this week. But um, And then the Rams, who knows what could happen there. It's funny you mentioned that Hail Mary. So since that Seattle game where they went, the teams went back and forth and it was an overtime and it was a great game, since then, they're one in five or one in four. So if not for really, if it wasn't for that Hail Mary prayer, they'd be zero and five since that game right now. So I don't know. They're 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 trending down. Uh, they're certainly not playing their best football when they you know kind of need to be. But like you said, that defense. Give I was looking at some of the scores from the last, their games. They've given up like thirty points. I think three or four a handful of times. Like that that's just crazy. And you're going to play the Giants who have a great defense. You're going to play the 49ers who, you know, are really have a lot of injuries, but they still have a good defense. The Rams surprisingly have like the best uh, secondary in the league this year, considering it's a crazy transformation for them, considering they were an offensive team like two, three years ago. Now they just, I mean, they're still good on offense, but they've completely just kind of changed their identity on the fly. And I, I, I don't know. And I, I read something today. It was kind of odd that some guy on, went on the radio and he was kind of criticizing Kyler Murray for his leadership issues or so, something like that, saying, uh, you know, obviously he goes out on Sundays and competes, but from Monday to Saturday, you know, things might not be, he might be not be put in the, the right preparation or something like that. So I thought that was kind of odd. Um, I, I don't really know what I think about that. I, I leave that to you guys to comment on that if you want. But yeah, it certainly doesn't look good for them. See, that's kind of strange for me to think about because Kyler was a dual sport athlete, um, got drafted in the top 10 in the MLB draft, and obviously we know where he was drafted in the NFL draft, but I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to believe that he doesn't put in the work um, Monday to Saturday. He's certainly not getting veteran days off, you know, like Ben with Wednesday, Thursday. Um, But I don't know. It's hard for me to really make anything of that because you see how – dynamic he is you, you wonder maybe if it's getting to his head but I doubt it I, I think he's grounded because with Larry Fitzgerald there 
um, and some of the, the veterans around that team. I don't think they're going to let it happen. Um, but you mentioned the thing about them giving up a lot of points. Going back to week five, weeks five and six, they gave up 10. Weeks seven and nine, they gave up seven, nine, and 10. They gave up over 30. And then the last three weeks, they gave up 28, 20, and 38. So certainly giving up a lot of points, make putting a lot more pressure on the offense. Um, but you look at the Rams this week, like you said, best secondary in the league. You played New England the week before, and you had Gilmore shut down, your best wide receiver, who's becoming more and more frustrated based on body language. And then Seattle, you had uh, Jamal Adams shadowing uh, Hopkins the whole game. So, I mean, even before that, you had Tredavious White from Buffalo against Hopkins. And then Miami, their secondary is not really a slouching secondary. Um, But early in the season, you had teams that didn't really have the best defense in secondary, especially, which allowed Kyler to push the ball downfield and run. But um, I don't know. They definitely have tough defenses coming up. And I think that with Hopkins being shadowed by these good corners all the time, um, you know, Bradbury with the Giants, Slays on Philly, the Niners still have uh, Sherman. He's older, but he's still good. And then you got Ramsey again. So it's going to be interesting. They're going to have to win a lot of games in this NFC playoff picture, starting to become more and more crowded with teams that are kind of rebounding and finding their stride. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think the Cardinals need to get it together, win a couple of games, but. I think you're going to be right there, kind of close at the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. And I, I really don't believe that either, that Kyler Murray is not putting in the work. He, he, he's putting in the work. It, he, you, said it, you said it yourself, Zach. He, he's a dual like athlete. He, he, he's played baseball. He's played football. He was drafted – he was drafted to baseball and he was drafted to football. So there's no way that he's not putting in the work. Um, just for the Cardinals, again, they, they really just need to get it together on defense, I think, is yeah, giving up 38 points, over 30 points over the past couple weeks is just not helping you, and it's putting a lot of pressure on Kyler Murray. So that that's just what I think. Oh, and to follow up, my point about Hopkins was that it makes it harder for uh, Murray to push the ball downfield without him because Fitzgerald doesn't stretch the field like he used to. Hopkins is your big guy. So um, right, in case right. anybody was kind of confused by that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, anyway, just don't look, I don't. I don't look at Kyler Murray and think that he's the issue with that team. No, he's definitely not the issue with that team. No. Anyway, let, let's go to uh, an upset game. This ha- that happened. Another upset game that happened. The uh, New York Giants upset the Seahawks in Seattle, seventeen to twelve. Seattle just really couldn't get it together. I didn't really see much of that game, but I know that uh, the Seahawks special teams uh, got a safety off a punt block. Uh, that 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 was good for them, but then the New York Football Giants uh, they got it together on the ground game, uh, and then Colt McCoy was filling in for Daniel Jones, who didn't play due to a hamstring injury. He had a passing touchdown to I think Gallman again, but uh, the Giants seem to be really hitting their stride right now after starting zero and five. They have they are now sitting at five and seven. So the question here is: Are the Giants the clear front runner to win the NFC East? I can't call him a front runner with how good the football team's playing. Um, that that division went from a circus to one of the most highly contested divisions now in football. Um, Although I, I will point out before you, yeah, before you get into your other point, I believe the Giants have the tiebreaker over the football team because they mm-hmm. beat them twice. Yeah, they beat them twice. Um, 
I don't know. To me, I think that the Giants obviously are playing really well. The football team is playing really well. And certainly you, you can make the case for the Giants being um, the front runner in that division. Um, but the remaining schedule for the Giants, um, I mean, you got Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore is the next three weeks, then Dallas, which Dallas at this point, they're out of it. So they're playing for um, draft positioning. Not that Jerry Jones wants to tank, but you never know what Jerry Jones. Um, but they're going to be facing – uh, a highly motivated Arizona team this week, a Cleveland team that's going to be looking to prove something, you know, try and get to 11 or 12 wins, um, and a Baltimore team who's fighting to get into the playoffs right now. Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to bring. I mean, certainly um, they're playing really well. But if you don't have Daniel Jones, I don't know if Colt McCoy can beat Kyler Murray, even with as bad as the Cardinals defense is playing. Um, there is talk that Jones will be back, but I don't even know if Daniel Jones can outduel Kyler Murray even with the defense playing well. Um, but to me, Gallman's stepped in and been really good. Shepard's been really good. Ingram, he's inconsistent, but he's been you know consistently inconsistent. So like, he'll have his good games and his bad games. Um, but I, I don't know. That team, it's, it's tough for me to, to call them the clear front runner, but certainly with having that tiebreaker, it gives them the leg up on Washington. Um, and as we mentioned, you know, Washington's playing really well as, as well. Um, you know, and they're a team that um, is certainly looking to prove something under uh, Ron Rivera. So that's kind of my take on the Giants. Yeah, how about those Giants? Uh, last time I was on here, I made a pretty bold statement about them beating the Cowboys when the Cowboys were, you know, competitive back then but um i think it's between them and washington for sure and it's funny because you know both of those teams are kind of made or kind of like the same kind of makeup like they got you know a good coach a good culture um they're relatively young uh maybe the quarterbacks are a different story but um they, they play hard they have good defenses and they're coached very well, as you can see. I mean, Joe Judge has done a, a great job, and same with Ron Rivera. So um, I think it's between those two teams. And, you know, like I said last time I was on here, like they were – early on in the season, they lost a lot of games. But, you know, watching them closely, you could see, like, they were always fighting, and, and they were close. They were within range. They needed to make maybe one or two more plays, and their entire record could be flip-flopped. And as you see throughout the season, they're starting to learn as a group how to win. And, and that's great for them. And, and now you see they're starting to make those plays as they're now five and seven after they had the really slow start. So um, I, I, I agree with you, Zach. I don't think that you can call them the clear front runner to win the NFC East. I think they are one of the they're, they're one of the teams in the NFL that's playing their best football right now. Um, Washington also shortly close behind. But um yeah, I agree with that. It's definitely between those two. If I had to pick one team right now, I'm sticking with the Giants. I went with them earlier in the season. I'm going to stick with them, but um, it's really a, a toss-up, I think. Yeah, I got to agree with both of you. Um, it's really going to come down to either the football team or the Giants, but I, I like I like Zach's point. Um, I, I just like the way that Washington is playing right now with Alex Smith at the quarterback. And then obviously the defense. So yeah, we talked about this when earlier in the game. We think that they probably have the best defensive front in football with Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and all those guys. And th their secondary is pretty good. One of the tops in the league. The linebackers aren't too bad either. 
I, I just like their chances of winning the division better than the Giants. Uh, the Giants are playing good, and they definitely have a case for them to win the NFC East. But to like Zach pointed out, just with their upcoming schedule with the Browns and the Ravens and who, whoever else they have to play, uh, it, it's just going to – it's really going to be tough for them to – possibly win the division and I like Washington better it all comes down to who's playing better football the next four weeks um the Giants have to keep it up the football team has to keep it up I just like Washington's chances to keep it up a little bit more consistently um and you know they have a veteran who's been there and done that been to a Super Bowl um and led some better teams in the NFL before um but if we're gonna talk about teams that are Playing some better football now. We're going to move on to the Patriots absolutely manhandling the Chargers 45 to nothing. Um, offensive Rookie of the Year candidate, uh, Justin Herbert. We all know this is probably an outlier for his season. Um, he's been the real deal, but he looked um, very uncomfortable and like he almost didn't belong in this game. Um, the entire Chargers team just kind of didn't belong in this game. Um, the Patriots just Vintage Patriots, um, but their their special teams, you know, really made a couple big plays. But um, I don't know what do you what do you guys think? Do the Patriots have a shot here at making the playoffs, or is this kind of a playing better football against a really bad team situation? I think they have a shot. Um, I, I think it's unlikely though. You got you got to look at their schedule. Um, it's absolutely brutal coming up the next couple of weeks. So you're going to find out pretty quickly if they're a playoff team or not. They got to play. I think it's L.A., the Dolphins, and the Bills out of the next four games. So, I think their last game's against the Jets. I could be wrong on that, but yeah, no, you're right. It is those three. You're going to find out pretty quickly if they can if they can you know make a push or not. It's fascinating too. I mean, you win forty five nothing. You think probably like you put up some crazy offensive stats or something like that. I think Cam Newton had like sixty passing yards. Like your quarterback had 60 passing yards and you won 45, nothing like that. That's crazy. And it, it's a testament to Belichick. Um, it, it's kind of crazy to see kind of how Brady's kind of struggling to find his way now, as we head later in the season and Belichick's rising. So that's an interesting storyline, I guess we could watch, but, and he, he continues to dominate against rookie quarterbacks. I think this makes him 21 and five now in his career against the rookie quarterback. So like you said, it's probably just a little blimp in the radar for, for Herbert. He's been outstanding. Uh, probably the front runner for offensive rookie of the year, but um, in terms of the Patriots making the playoffs, they're definitely still alive. We're going to find out quickly if they can make it. I just think it's a little bit unlikely just because of their schedule, but never doubt Belichick. Oh yeah. I've, there's one thing that we've learned throughout our you know lives is that we never give up on Belichick's Patriots, but I agree with you, Dante, just with their upcoming schedule coming up here against the Rams, the Dolphins, and the Bills, all of which are, in fact, playoff teams or looking like playoff teams, it's really going to be hard for them to make a case, but they are for sure still alive. Uh, the real question for the Patriots, though, is that they have been running the ball really well the, the past couple past couple weeks with Cam Newton and um, Damian Harris, the uh, they're running the ball really well, and Cam Newton's only passing the ball like, I don't know, a couple times, but he's getting like 90 yards. So that the real question is, can they win with – can they continue to win with this formula, running the ball and rarely passing the ball? And if you do get to the playoffs, if they do somehow get to the playoffs, it's 
I, I don't know how likely that I don't know how likely that formula would work for them. So, because when you go up against a team like the Chiefs or the Steelers or the Bills or even the Titans again, it, it, it's just not looking good for them, in, in my opinion. Um, but uh, but um, just to wrap up here, Zach. Sorry to. Very good. But um. I mean, their defense is still great. Uh, we know that Stephon Gilmore, they're still an elite defense, so the defense could carry them to the playoffs. But yeah, it's just the offense that really worries me for them. I think the thing for me, you look at, they had two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. You know, Damian Harris had a good game on the ground, 16 attempts for 80 yards. Newton ran for 50. Sony Michelle ran for 35. Um, but Greg Olszewski is the story of this game for me. Um, the receivers didn't – I mean, he was the closest to 50 yards. He had 38, one catch for 38 and a touchdown. Um, Nikhil Harry had the other, like, two catches, 15 and a touchdown. But you look at their punter. He had four punts, three pinned inside the 20. I think one or two of them were actually inside of the eight-yard line. Um, so field position was certainly the name of the game. You pin the, the, the Chargers in a really bad spot. It's kind of hard to make up for it. Um, Olszewski even had a punt return touchdown. Um, and I think the other one that they had was a fumble recovery touchdown. If correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so it's tough to say what the Patriots are because their offense isn't winning them games right now. Um, their offense is kind of taking a backseat to the defense and the special teams, which is definitely one way to win football games. But, um, I don't know. I mean, the, the chargers are a bad team. Herbert's good playing Belichick's tough because like Dante said, they kind of abuse rookie quarterbacks in new England. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's tough to say who they are. They certainly have a shot at the playoffs, but I don't know if they get in, like you mentioned with that schedule, you know, having the Rams this week. Um, that's definitely a game that they are probably going to drop with how the Rams are playing. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's certainly something that, you got to keep your eyes on, but I'm going to, I'm just going to say that the Patriots are definitely playing better, but their schedule is, is really going to be a test. Yeah. And plus when you got a team like the Ravens that are fighting for a playoff spot, I kind of like their chances better than the Patriots. So uh, they would also need some help too, right? What's the Colts record? They have four losses, right? Yeah, they have four losses, but they, yeah, they have four losses, but they currently hold the seventh seed in the, in the AFC. So the Patriots would essentially have to win out and hope that the Colts drop at least two games. Yeah, basically. Yep. Yeah, so um, anyway, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. They lost to the Green Bay Packers this past weekend, and their offensive struggles continue. Along with Carson Wentz, he has just not been really good at all this year. He's really digressed from what he was probably two, three years ago when he was looking like the – clear MVP of the NFL and now it's looking like he's just now he's probably not I don't want to say he's one of the worst and quarterbacks in the NFL but he's definitely below average as of right now so earlier this week uh, Doug Peterson made the switch well earlier in the game against the Packers they pulled Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts came into the game rookie quarterback Jalen Hurts and he gave him a spark uh, almost brought him back but uh, didn't get the job done. So now, earlier this week, Doug Peterson made the call saying that Jalen Hurts is going to start on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints, So, which means Carson Wentz is going to be the backup. 
Now this leads to the ultimate question here for Carson Wentz, but is this the beginning of the end for him? No. They paid him way too much money for it to be the beginning of the end. Um, you don't pay a backup quarterback $160 million to sit on the bench, or a quarterback $160 million to sit on the bench. Um, certainly there'd be suitors out there. Like The Jets are probably going to move on from Darnold. They're going to draft Lawrence, most likely, if he indeed decides to go to the draft, if he really wants to go to the Jets because he knows it's where he's going to get drafted. Um, I mean, a team like the Jags, <clears throat> certainly Justin Fields is out there. Um, but a team like that taking a quarterback with some playoff experience, you know, certainly that's that's a lot of money to pay him, but the Jags do have the cap space. Um, they could take on Carson Wentz, um, give him another shot, certainly would have some weapons down there. Um, but I think that the Eagles are almost better off with Jalen Hurts right now. I don't know if Wentz is the answer for them. Um, it's kind of tough to gauge his season. You know, Miles Sanders missed a bunch of time. Um, they haven't had a healthy receiving core all year. They finally have both starting tight ends back in Goddard and uh, Zach Ertz. And it, I don't know if Zach Ertz is going to be there next year. They might try and move him out too because Goddard kind of replaced him. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's the beginning of the end for Wentz. I think he gets another opportunity somewhere and thrives. I think he is good enough. It just needs to be a, a different system and maybe playing somewhere, you know, warmer, maybe a little better weather might not hurt, you know, no, uh, no salary tax in Florida either, so you never know. That might be a little enticing, um, but I, I don't know. I think that uh, I think that he's got a good, you know, a good career ahead of him. But I don't know if if um, if you can call it the end for him. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you, Zach. Um, strictly based off of financials, I mean, you can't move off of this guy just based on the financial investment or investment that they gave him. I think if you cut him, you, it's like. 60 million dollars in dead cap and then even if it's a post june 1st like you know how like the nfl salary cap's kind of weird i think it's still like a 34 million dollar um dead cap hit so that's completely out of the question um i don't foresee anybody touching that contract that's like if i'm another team and they put him on the block I, i just don't see how any other team that wants a quarterback would take on carson Wentz, especially just because of that contract whenever they could just go into the draft and potentially take a guy and have him on his rookie deal for five years. Um, so that's kind of out of it. I think that before they move off of Wentz, I think he would see a coaching change, honestly, before that happens. Um, like you said, maybe he would thrive in a new system. Uh, maybe they think that Petter, or yeah, Pedersen is the problem, or Peterson, sorry. Um, maybe if they get someone else in there that could maybe fix some things with him because he honestly hasn't been the same since he had that big injury in 2017. And I, I think Nick Foles winning that Super Bowl kind of hurt him a little bit more mentally than people kind of want to note. Like, I, I mean, could you imagine being the potential MVP of the season and then going out and then watching your backup, you know, take all the glory, win the Super Bowl? Like, great. I mean, you're happy for him, of course. You can't, you can't be, you know, rooting against Nick Foles or anything like that. But I, I think that might have taken a toll on him. And, also with that, like he's always been kind of a gamer, like, you know, he turns the ball over, but to me, he's always been a guy that's super competitive. And he's, like I said, he's a gamer. Like he's, he's always going for it no matter what's out there. And you're starting to see, I think he's starting to doubt himself and he's losing that confidence in himself and he's kind of losing that swag. Um, so that's troubling to me. And honestly, I, I did not like the pick of Jalen Hurts kind of similarly to Jordan Love in the first place. I, th- I think they had 
way too many other holes that they needed to address in their draft or on their team. And obviously Jalen Hurts was honestly not seen as the, you know, the next heir to Carson Wentz, but they just picked him simply because Wentz couldn't stay healthy and they needed a reliable backup. But I questioned that pick the day that it happened. And I think they should have went somewhere else maybe to give Wentz a complimentary piece. And then you, you just have to look at that first round pick. I mean, Rager, he's going to, he's going to be a great player, but taking him right before Justin Jefferson, that stings a lot. Yeah, exactly. I think Jefferson was put into a situation where he could thrive immediately where Rager wasn't. I think that's probably the difference. Rager's talent's there. He's definitely not Justin Jefferson, but Justin Jefferson's put in a situation where a team has to pass the ball constantly for three quarters of the game. That's true. And they're two different players, too. I mean, Rager's more like a speedy, you know, kind of a speed guy. Jefferson, you can put him in the slot. You can put him outside. He kind of does a little bit of everything. Like, they're two different player types, and we saw this past week with Rager. I mean, he had two touchdowns. He's going to be a great player, but... Ah, man, that stinks. You know, I don't know about you guys, but back when Carson Wentz got that contract extension back in like 2019 or whenever it was, I did not agree with how much money they were giving him. Only because before then, the dude has never played in a playoff game and he would always get hurt in before the playoff started. I agreed with the contract extension, but with the money that they were giving him, I was like, that's a bit too high. I would have gone to something a little bit cheaper and not make him the highest paid quarterback in the league at the time. So I, I don't know about you guys, but that was just my opinion of it. But yeah, um, I go, go I, ahead. I hate that too. Like how, I mean, good for the players. I mean, go get as much money as you can get. I'm not going to judge you for that. I would do the same thing. Anyone right. would, but like, I just, I think it's so dumb how NFL teams just let the next, like it doesn't even matter how good you are. Like if you're the next quarterback in line, you're going to reset the market for everybody else. So like you could be an ad, like there's too many, I see too many teams in the NFL that pay average quarterbacks, elite quarterback money. And then that just ends up ruining the rest of their roster. Yeah. And then cough, going back to her cousins. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I had to. No, no, you're good. You're you're right. I mean, they look yeah. at all the players they had to let go on their defense from that 2017 run. I mean, well, think about the quarterbacks that have signed since him, though. I mean, Nick Foles got like 90 million over three years. Nick yeah. Foles, dude. The, yeah, I mean, Kirk with Kirk Cousins, I I didn't have I don't have really have a problem with that first co- contract they gave him. It's the extension that just kind of makes me yeah. shake my head. Well, yeah, the like, first one like three years, 80 million, fully guaranteed, and that was the full first fully guaranteed contract in league history. And I mean, that that was all right, though, because they, they went to the championship game and they were like, all right, we're going to go all in. They picked, honestly, they picked the best quarterback they probably could have gotten and they went for it. And like, they could have been, they could have just cut ties with them after this season, but instead they gave him like 66 million over two seasons. And if they cut him, they got like a 40 million dead cap hit. But anyway, we're getting off point here, but I, <laughs> um, no, no, it tends to happen. It's totally fine. <laughs> no, it's still like, so what I was Going back to the question here, is this the beginning of the end for Carson Wentz? No, it is not. I agree with both of you. It is not the beginning of the end. Uh, but interestingly enough, um, there I think there is one team that could maybe take a chance on Carson Wentz that I think would best suit him because he's played under this guy before. Uh, his offensive coordinator when uh, during that Super Bowl run was, was uh, current head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich. So, and then with the Colts right now, you got a veteran in Phillip Rivers who's 
you know, a little bit on the edge. I, I, I don't know if he's going to retire after this year or if the Colts will bring him back. And then Jacoby Brissett, I think they kind of figured uh, you're, you're more of a backup. You're not really our future. So, and they do have a, a bit of cap space available. So they could, de- they, they could touch the contract and say, Hey, Carson, c- come play, f- come play for me here in Indy. And that, that could be a good system for him. Well, they're also going to have to pay um, Leonard. Is that his last name? Yeah. Oh, Darius Leonard, yeah. Yeah, he's going to get a lot of money. So you got to remember that. But also, Rivers is making like $20 million this year. So that comes off the books and basically covers half of Wentz's cap hit. True. Do you know, Jacoby Brissett makes a ton of money, too. He's like, I think he's in the top 10 or 15 of highest paid quarterbacks. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> For a I backup, mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, you had if to find him when Luck retired. He didn't have a choice. Yeah. Right, exactly. If I'm the Colts, though, I think, you know, you have a solid roster everywhere i mean I, I think you could say um you just had a couple of draft classes you got a bunch of halls i think the year that the jets traded up with the with them to get darnold they got like three second round picks out of that like that that lost that roster is loaded with talent i think for them particularly at the end of the season you cut ties with Brissett, you cut ties with rivers and i think you mortgage the future and trade up and get a quarterback in this draft and just roll with him because i can see that i, I think i think this team uh, that's built around that would be built around that rookie quarterback is good enough so that he wouldn't have to necessarily elevate the team. They could elevate him. And I feel like, you know, that would be a more financially, that would be a better situation for them, but I could see that. I could also see like the bears taking a shot on Wentz because that's just something I could see that they would do because they like the trade for quarterbacks that are, you know, overpaid and past their time, but, <laughs> but well, well, definitely Carson Wentz needs to go to a needs to go to a team with a with an offensive minded head coach. That, that that that's where he needs to go. Yeah, I, I agree with the Frank Reich, um, uh, you know, matchup too. I, I think he is missed in Philly more than they give attention to. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I mean, Doug Peterson is a good like. I, I think he's a good head coach and definitely a good play caller. But you're right. I think. The Eagles are definitely missing Frank Reich. Uh, anyway, let's move on here. So we are approaching the playoffs. As we said, it is week 14. Um, we're going to take a look here at the current playoff picture in both conferences. Uh, the uh, The AFC playoff picture as it stands right now is the Steelers have the number one seed. The Chiefs have the two seed. Uh, they did clinch a playoff spot this uh, past weekend with their win over Denver. Then the Bills have the three, Titans four, Browns five, Dolphins six, and Colts seven. And currently in the hunt for the AFC uh, are the Raiders, Ravens, and Patriots. And then for the NFC playoff picture, we got the Saints at the number one seed who also clinched a playoff spot this past weekend with their win. Uh, The Packers at the two, Rams at three, Giants at four, Seahawks at five, Bucks at six, and Vikings at seven. And And in the hunt, for the NFC is the Cardinals, the Washington football team, and the Eagles. So, which which in the hunt team has the best chance at sneaking into the final playoff spot in both conferences? Let's start with the AFC. I think the AFC is pretty much set where it is. Um, you know, like we mentioned, the Patriots have a tough schedule, and they would need the Colts to kind of, you know, drop a couple games here. The Ravens. Yeah, they beat the Cowboys last night, but I don't know. They're kind of too inconsistent for me, too. 
and the Raiders. I, I've never really, I haven't really put much stock into the Raiders this season. Um, their defense is kind of meh. Derek Carr, I mean, he's played great for the season, but he's still kind of meh in my eyes. Um, I mean, they almost lost to the Jets. Yeah. Yeah, if it wasn't for the uh, Hail Mary on the like last couple seconds, then yeah, they lose that game. Dude, that was like, I, I thought that was so <laughs> funny how after they won that, Derek Carr was like the only person jumping up and down celebrating. Everyone else was just like, man, we almost lost to the Jets. Like they just weren't yeah. even excited about it. But <laughs> exactly, I wouldn't be celebrating in that locker room. I'd be like, bro, we almost just lost to the worst team in the NFL. What are yeah. we doing? Um, but yeah, I, I think the AFC is set. The teams that like the seeding might change a little bit. Like you might see uh, the bottom three te- three or four teams switch out a little bit. But um, I, I think that conference is pretty set. I would agree. I think that. I don't. I don't think the the Patriots make it. I think they have to. You know, need the Colts to drop a couple of games. They have to win out. But, um, you know, Cleveland. They're pretty much in at nine and three. Buffalo, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. You know, pretty much all in. Kansas City is in. Um, Miami. They're kind of the the wild card for me. Um, because the Colts and the Titans, I think, are in. It's just a matter of who wins that division. But the the Dolphins at any time could just fall off a cliff, and that would allow Baltimore, or Vegas to kind of sneak in there. Um, especially considering they're not going to win their division. I mean, they certainly could if Buffalo kind of falls off, but I don't know. It, it's tough for me to say um, if any of those three teams, you know, New England, Baltimore, or Vegas would get in, but I just don't think so. And then obviously beyond them, everybody's got eight or more losses. So that's the only people that are really in the hunt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the only team that I could that I think has the best chance of sneaking in are the Ravens, just because. Yeah, they did beat the Cowboys pretty easily, um, and then we'll have to see how they play against the Browns on Monday night. But I still think they have the best chance of getting in. The Raiders, <laughs> like we kind of joked around, they almost lost to the Jets, and personally, I don't think they're going to get in. And the Patriots as well, like we mentioned about their schedule, it's just not, it's not what it is. Uh, the seedings could change. Um, in the, in the AFC, but I do think that the top seven are set and I've said this before and I've said it again about the dolphins. I bought in on Tua and so far it's looking pretty good for him. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the NFC here. So who do you guys think? Um, for me, I think the Cardinals get in and I also think there's a shot that the Vikings get in and Tampa doesn't. Huh? Tampa's a good team. Don't get me wrong. Tom Brady yeah. is Tom Brady, but I don't know. The I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little joke. The AB factor, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but hear me out. I don't see how likely that is. Being that the Bucks finished the season with Minnesota, Atlanta twice, and Detroit once, um, I don't. I mean, Atlanta's gonna be a tough game no matter what. They're gonna play hard as a division game twice. The Lions. Playing better, they're not a great team, but the Vikings this week are going to be a tough matchup for them because they are playing a lot better. Their weapons are contributing. Um, But I think that the Cardinals are the team that gets in in that seventh spot over the Vikings, Um, and I think Tampa Bay does make it. Um, And I'm also going to say that the football team switches out with the Giants and Washington makes the playoffs, but that's just my my thoughts here. Yeah, I honestly probably 100% agree with you. Um, if there's a team that's going to fall out of the seven, it's going to be Minnesota or, you know, the Giants too, because that division's tossed up. So 
Um, I don't think the Eagles have a shot, realistically. I don't think the Bucks will fall out just because of your schedule, like you mentioned. And the Vikings, like, they've got to win this week, so they play the Bucks. So they can make up some good ground there. Um, I, I don't know how that's going to go. The Vikings kind of tend to play a little small in big games. So we'll see how Kirk, and Kirk Cousins, let's see. This this is time to show up, make your money, <laughs> kid. So uh, let's see what you got Get here. Right <laughs> they got they have a tough the vikings have a tough stretch of games so they got the bucks and then they got to play the bears which isn't that tough but that defense is going to be bruising and then they got i think four days later they got to play the saints on christmas day Ooh, so boy. yep Sunday um, friday they got the bears like, they got to play the bears defense who i mean the bears aren't that good but they'll they'll be pretty physical with you so and they got then they got the saints on short rest so um I agree with you. I think, I mean, the Cardinals have a tough schedule too. It, it's interesting. I wouldn't sleep on the 49ers either. I know they're a couple games out now, um, but I would, I would consider them potentially sneaking into, but I, I agree with you. I think, I think the Saints stay at one. I think maybe the Packers, no, nah, the Packers, I don't really know much about their schedule. I, I'm not a big believer in the Packers. Um, the Packers I think have they, Detroit, Carolina, Tennessee, Chicago to finish. So that's a three and one finish. Yeah, I, I think if they play a team that punches them in the mouth, then they just fold. So I'm not, I mean, they, they'll they probably stay at two. Um, I don't see the Seahawks beating the Rams out for that division. Uh, the Giants, and it's either going to be the Giants or Washington. Yeah, uh, I, I think the Seahawks stay at six. The Bucks. <sighs> I, I think just because of their schedule, and if they beat the Vikings, if they beat the Vikings this week, I, I think they're comfortably in. So... A lot hangs on that game. It's kind of crazy. No one, no one thought that that game would really have any playoff implications at the beginning of the year when the Vikings were, what, I think, like one and four, and the, yeah, the Bucks like started off. Yeah, I know. I, I can remember like we wrote them off like at the beginning <laughs> of our podcast. We we li- literally wrote them off. And mm-hmm. look where they're at. The, I wrote them off after that Seattle game. Yeah. Well, yeah. another point to your 49ers, Eve, before you start. Uh, or your point, Dante, is we had mentioned last week, if the Niners are even close to contention, they could have George Kittle and Jimmy G back for the last two to three games of the year. It's a dangerous yeah. game. I mean, certainly their defense, you know, they don't have their Bosa. Their their defense is certainly banged up. But if you get Kittle and Jimmy G back and you have Mostert playing well and you got Ayuk and um, their other receivers contributing, I mean, that's a team that, they can put up put up enough points that their defense doesn't have to let up, you know, less than twenty four. And they're coached extremely well too. Oh, Shanahan's an offensive whiz. Do they oh, play the Cardinals is. at all, or they played them twice already? Yeah, no, no, they play the Cardinals. I think like we yeah sixteen I, I, I or so. Sixteen. I don't know why I, I, I just asked that because we talked about it earlier, but um, no, it's okay. Yeah. I almost forgot too. <laughs> that that's definitely a game I would circle. Yeah, exactly. Could be the Jimmy um, G Kittle show. Exactly. Um, there's really not much to be said. I think you guys brought up great points. It's either going to be uh, – it's really going to come down to either the Giants or the Washington football team, and I think the Washington football team probably gets in over the Giants just because I like the way that their defense is playing over the Giants right now. Uh, I, I think the Vikings probably get in. They stay at that spot. They probably lose to maybe the Bucks or someone else, but they'll probably get in at 9-7, and seven, and then the Bucks. I, I just think that they'll get in just because they have Brady and the offensive weapons along with a decent defense. I know they, I know everyone's saying that, Oh, this is a great defense, but they really haven't played like it the past couple of weeks. That's for sure. 
But um, yeah, I, I just I, I think they stay where they are at the sixth spot. Maybe they fall down to the seventh spot, depending on the outcome of this weekend's game between the Bucks and the Vikings. Uh, but I, I don't see them really going anywhere in the playoffs. And then, yeah, like you said, Dante, I really don't see the Seahawks beating the Rams for the division. So I think the Rams stay where they are at the three spot and they win the division. So that that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think it sounds pretty logical. And uh, the NFC certainly has a lot more intrigue than the AFC in terms of, you know, seeding, jostling and everything like that. I think that the AFC pretty much where you see teams aside from the the Colts and the Titans is set in the NFC. There's there's movement aside from, you know, the Saints and the Packers, but, but I mean, um I would say though that NFC, if that's how if this is how it ends, that would be a fantastic wild card weekend. Oh yeah, I mean you'd have Absolutely. You'd have, you'd have Packers, Packers against Vikings. the Vikings. That's a good one. Rams, Bucks, Giants, Seahawks again. Yeah. So that's there's certainly some good games that would be happening. Um but let's get into our games this week. Um, the first one that we're going to pick here is going to be the Patriots at the Rams. Um, the Rams coming off their big win against the Cardinals and the Patriots coming off their own big win against the Chargers. Um, I'm going to start with you, Dante. Who are you going to take in this game? Uh, you know, I'm going to take the Rams, and I'm sure I'm going to get burned because I'm, I'm doubting Belichick, but I, I think this Rams team, like I, when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, I think, what, two years ago? I was never a yeah. big like I I knew the Patriots were going to win that based off of their defense because I, I'm a big guy but I I believe in defense first. I know that we have an offensive um, like offensive minded league now and it, it drives me crazy because I love the defensive side of the ball. Played defense, but the way that the Rams have transformed their defense like we talked about, they have the number one secondary. They have Aaron Donald. Um And the Patriots are just not the same team as they were in that Super Bowl, and they dismantled Sean McVay. And to go with that, McVay's a a smart coach. He's a good coach. I think he's going to learn from his mistakes. Um, You know, never like we said, never doubt Belichick. But I I think the Rams are just going to be too much for the Patriots, especially this version of the Patriots. So I'm going to take the Rams. I just hope that this game is going to be better than Super Bowl Fifty (laughs) Three. I love Super Bowl Fifty Three. That was the defense, man. Defensive I, guy, <laughs> I, but like uh, for a score standpoint, that that was like so yeah. boring. Thirteen wow. to three, or yeah, I was like, this is the most like this is the most boring Super Bowl ever. I so I, I just hope it's a more entertaining game. But at, but I am also going to agree with you, Dante. I'm going to take the Rams as well. I just like their I like their defense and Aaron Donald better than the um the the Patriots and their offense mainly because I think. Aaron Donald is going to stuff Cam Newton and um, Damian Harris or whoever's going to be playing at running back. And if you have to turn to Cam Newton to win you the game through the air, going up against Jalen Ramsey, yeah, I, I, I don't like that. Plus with the uh, Patriots offensive weapons in the wide receiver area, they're, they're just a bunch of no-names like Zach, you and I have talked about this. Uh, before so I, I just don't like I just don't like the Patriots chances with their offense their defense I think will keep them in the game but I think Jared Goff and his weapons will we'll, we'll get it together so we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll jump ahead here at some point so I'm taking the Rams as well we're gonna have a clean sweep I'm taking the Rams too um, I thought about a lot of the same points the running game of the Patriots is they're becoming one-dimensional um, 
you know, in terms of running the out, the receivers are not that great. Nikhil Harry's got talent, but he's just certainly not been what they hoped he would be. Um, Cam Newton's not really throwing the ball effectively, and he does have to go against Ramsey, uh, like you said. Aaron Donald's going to just stuff up the middle. Um, their D line is just going to pretty much stop the run entirely. Their linebackers move move laterally really well. Um, but the other side of it too is Ramsey can cover Cooper Cup or Robert Woods all day, but then you got one or the other on the other side of the field um, or on somebody else, and then you got Gerald Everett, who's pretty solid. Um, but their running game, as I've ripped and ripped and ripped all season long, that they needed to figure out who the starting running back was. Uh, Cam Akers looks like he's finally taken that. Um, Henderson did have a big run for a touchdown this week, but Akers was getting all the carries. Um, I think that they're a team that offense is just too much for what the Patriots defense has. Um, so I'm going to take the Rams. That's a really interesting backfield too, though. Like I hate started it. off. I hate started it. off, Malcolm, <laughs> started off hot with Malcolm Brown, and then you had Daryl Harrell or Henderson, right? Daryl Henderson. Yeah. And then yeah, now Cam Akers. I think Cam Akers was always the most talented of that group. But I, I just felt like he was yeah. always going to be the one that eventually broke out. I mean, Eve can vouch. I think it's been every pod the last. Like, <laughs> I have yep, been absolutely flamed the Rams of like, <laughs> why are you giving yep. each of the three of them ten carries when Malcolm Brown's averaging like a yard and a half per carry and Henderson the last like three weeks was a yard and a quarter. And he got yeah. acres at like eight, but he only gets like two touches. What are you just give it to acres? What's going on? <laughs> Pick somebody. You can't, I mean, you can do two, you can do two running backs. That's possible. When you're trying to do three, that's just ridiculous. And none of them are that great. Yeah, yeah. I'll get off that soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they really messed up with trading away Todd Gurley. That that in my opinion, they so. just couldn't afford him. That was the problem. Yeah, yeah, which I get the contract. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's move on to our next matchup. It's the uh, Chiefs and the Dolphins. Uh, I think this is going to be an intriguing game. This is going to be an entertaining game. We got obviously the defending Super Bowl champions going down to Miami to take on the young guy in Tua Tagovailoa who is playing pretty well since coming in to since starting making making his first start a couple weeks back um could this potentially be an upside game Dante you can go first um could it be an upside game absolutely I, I don't think that the Dolphins will beat the Chiefs though um I think I, I love Tua I'm a big Tua guy told you guys the last time I was on here I, I thought he was gonna be better than her but I'm that's not looking too good right now but I th- also, I think he's too conservative of a quarterback that you, like the like he has the mindset don't turn the ball over at all costs, and and I think that's the wrong mindset to have against a team like the Chiefs where you know they're going to put up a ton of points. Dolphins that they just got Miles Gaskin back, uh, that's great both for them and my fantasy team heading into the playoffs. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I I think the Dolphins are a tough team too, like. The, they're gonna go. They're gonna give the Chiefs everything they have. Brian Flores has the boys cooking. Yep. They're they're a physical team. They're gonna play hard to the end. I think the Chiefs are just gonna outlast them in the end. And like I said, I I don't know if two is ready to win the shootout game yet. Yeah, um, I'm taking the Dolphins. Ooh, uh, I know. Yeah, I just kind of. I know. I just kind of sat here when we were doing our division breakdown and said that they could be the team that falls out, but. Um, the Chiefs, very similarly to the Steelers, the last few weeks have really kind of struggled playing a complete game. 
Um, they're kind of the opposite of the Steelers. If you could combine the two offenses, you'd have a full first and second half. Um, the Chiefs <laughs> have liked to do this thing where they play like only the first half of football games, and then like the second half just disappear. Okay, um, wait. But before this, can we just cut this narrative that the Chiefs like are blowing out everybody in every game, and then when the Steelers do it, like, oh no, we need to see more from them. They're they're not a complete team. They can't take on the Chiefs or anything. Like, can we stop with that? Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. sick and t- I'm sick and tired of hearing that. And also the narrative that oh look at the Steelers schedule. They played so many easy games, and that's coming from Browns fans and Ravens fans when they've played the exact same schedule outside of two opponents. So I'm sick and tired of hearing about that. I mean, I'm sorry, but we can't control what the NFL schedules us. If we just take what we're given and we win all, you know, if we were to won all. 16 games well that was what the nfl chose so like that's not on us we didn't say exactly oh we want to play the jets twice the jags once you know play the uh the bears a couple times maybe throw the lions in there you know some bad teams we played some better teams i mean if raven fans are saying we didn't play anybody well we beat you twice so like did we play a bad team are you calling yourselves bad we beat the browns once do they call the browns another one i need to just get off the soapbox but um i think with i think with the chiefs it's just a lot First of all, the glory over Patrick Mahomes, Ugh. and second of all, just the recency bias that they just won the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of what has to do with it too. Well, and and two, if you look at the um, Steelers' point differential on offense against the Chiefs, the Steelers beat them in that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they're giving up the least amount of points in the NFL. So yes, like that that answers the question that the Steelers are a good team. They are a contender and it's not even close but people are like nope they're, they're the weakest 11 and 0 team they're the over they're so overrated and stuff like that and, it's, and as Steeler fans we're obviously getting sick and tired of it <laughs> yeah I agree anyway Zach I'm sorry to cut you off and go on that little rant there go go ahead and with your game pick <laughs> is he still on we lose him Ah, I was muted. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, anyways, going back to what I was saying, why you couldn't hear me. Um, <laughs> I think it is a shootout game. I think that Tua, going back to his time in Alabama, knows how to just put up points and not stop. Nick Saban did teach him the cutthroat, put your foot on the pedal and don't take it off until the final whistle blows. Um, he's definitely got the weapons there. I mean, the receivers are not big names. You know, Devontae Parker is a big name that. There's no doubting that. He's been very good the last couple of years. Mike Gesicki's a freak. Um, he's he's just a mismatch all over the field. Um, Miles Gaskin is very good. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that the Dolphins' defense has been so good that it's going to be like playing another Bucks defense in a way. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that this becomes a shootout. I think there's a lot of points up. I don't really think that the defenses play much of a role here. Um, it's just a matter of, I think the Dolphins outlast the Chiefs' offense because I think they go cold at some point. I don't see. I don't. I think the Dolphins, like if, if the Dolphins are going to win this game, and this goes for a lot of teams against the Chiefs, like we said earlier. Like I, if they don't want this to turn into a track race, because they're that's probably a sprint that they're not going to win. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's definitely possible. I just kind of. I don't know. I like taking a, an upset or two. <laughs> Hey man, I like this. It's, 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 like, no, it's a, it's a like good it. move. It's a good strategy, that's for sure. Yeah, an eight and four team, and you know they're they're not playing bad. They're playing really good football. And heck, if Tua plays like crap, I got I got faith in Fitz Magic coming out and putting up some points. <laughs> Everybody has faith in Fitz Magic, that's for sure. <laughs> but even if he does come out in this game, uh, 
I don't think, which I don't think he will, but the better quarterback is here is obviously Patrick Mahomes, which I'm going to agree with Dante. I'm taking the Chiefs. I just think that Patrick Mahomes and his offensive weapons are going to put on a show. I know they didn't put on a show last week, although Tyreek Hill should have had a touchdown pass, should have had a yeah, touchdown that, reception. Like, that yeah, because that, that, that was insane. I don't know how he didn't realize he caught that ball. Like, like, like that's insane. Like most receiver, like most receivers, even when it's incomplete, they go up to their coaches and say, "Hey, yeah. go challenge that. I caught that ball." Like he was just so shocked. He's like, "I honestly, bro, I don't even know." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just so crazy. I, I do think it might be a little bit of a shootout at first because two is going to play really well and. Zach, like you mentioned with the weapons and Gasicki and Gaskin and all those guys, like they're going to play really well against the Chiefs defense, which has struggled a little bit. But at the end of the day, I'm taking, I trust, I put my trust in Patrick Mahomes more than I do Tua. Definitely understandable. I mean, I uh, can't say I blame you, but, you know, once in a while, it's, there's always a possibility. No, oh, um, yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, we, I mean, I know we didn't pick this game last week in the uh, Seahawks and the Giants, but that was an upset. I mean, th- that was a game that we probably could have picked, and may- maybe one of us would have said the Giants. Ten out of ten times we were taking the Seahawks. There's no question. <laughs> right. No, yeah. Uh, I mean, last week, you know, to reference, um, I was one of six, and you were three of six. I had the Titans, Cardinals, Seahawks, Bills, Texans, and Steelers. So I had a rough week, but, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that got to mix it up. Um, and then moving on yeah. here to another game that, well, could go either way. Vikings and Bucks. We got two teams um, going in opposite directions at the moment. The Bucks kind of spiraling on a one and three stretch, and the Vikings certainly picking it up. They're uh, playing much better football. They're like what five and one, five and two in their last six or seven, something like that. After starting like one and five, um, yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Eve. Who you have here? Man, this is a tough one. I mean, the Bucks coming off a bye week after a three-game, basically after a three-game losing streak, and then the Vikings are playing really well. You know, I'm going to go with the Bucks. I, I think that after the bye, I think Brady got together with his teammates or got got together with Bruce Arians or someone, and they were basically saying, "Hey, this is what we got to do now." And I think maybe Bruce Arians will listen to Brady, and they may start running the ball more instead of relying on Tom Brady to throw the ball, kind of like how the Steelers are doing with Ben Roethlisberger. I think the Bucks will run the ball with Ronald Jones, and then it'll set up the play-action pass for Brady to hit Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, A.B., and all of his weapons. And then I think the Bucks' defense shows up and starts playing like they did uh, earlier in the year when they were looking like probably one of the best defenses in the league. And I think they'll make Kirk Cousins kind of look like the Kirk Cousins of old a little bit there. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take the bucks. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. Um, for, for pretty much a lot of the same reasons you said, um, first off the bye week a lot, you look at the teams that are coming off a of bye week this season and they're, but they've been going on absolute heaters. Like the Vikings for one, after their bye week, they were five and one. Um, I know there was another team that's, that's been really hot since their bye week. It might've been the giants actually. I think it's the giants, but yeah. Um, like you said, I'm sure him and Arians have been sitting in the in the war room, kind of grinding this stuff out all week. Uh, no, he wasn't taking no easy vacation, even though he's down in Tampa. I'm sure they shared a a, a, a glass of Crown Royal uh, <laughs> sitting by the computer in the war room. But I, I think so. The Vikings are going to win this game, 
and contrary to how their team's kind of been built the last five years or so, it's going to be because of their offense. And when you look at the Vikings offense against the Bucks defense, I think the Bucks are going to be able to slow them down. Um, Dalvin Cook's amazing. Kirk Cousins has been playing good. Justin Jefferson's been playing out of his mind for a rookie. You still have Adam Thielen. Um, the offensive line still gives me a little bit of uh, trouble. Um, I, th- I think the Bucks have a lot of playmakers on defense to be able to slow down the Vikings offense to where they can't go out and win the game for them. And then you look at the other side for the Vikings. I mean, their run defense is atrocious. So if they get Rojo involved, like you guys mentioned, or even Leonard Fournette, I mean, I don't think they have a defensive lineman on that uh, out of the starting unit that was drafted in the first four rounds of the draft, the Vikings. So they've been getting absolutely chewed up by runs, uh, teams that can run the ball effectively. And then you have the young corners too, the two uh, starting corners that were, they're both rookies, Cam Dantzler and uh, Gladney, I think. So I think the Bucks have too many off, uh, too many playmakers on the offensive side of the ball too. Like you mentioned, Gronk, Mike Evans, uh, Godwin, um, AB, like who's going to, I just don't know who's going to guard those guys on the Vikings defense. And plus they have Eric Kendricks out. So he's probably one of their, if not the best player on their defense. So I'm going to go with the bucks as well. Damn. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going with the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> um, well, no, I, I like to write my picks down before we start this. Cause I've been writing them down and tracking it. And I like to kind of see what you guys think, but, um, I don't know. I think it's a Dalvin Cook game. I think that, um, you know, certainly Jefferson could could absolutely turn it on and take over a game. Same with Thielen. It could go either way. I mean, heck, Kyle Rudolph could could get involved and um, play a factor here. But I think he's out this week. Is he out this week? I don't. Even, yeah, I was just, just looking they, at their injury list and I didn't see him, but I could be wrong. They just signed some tight end off Tampa Bay's practice squad. So I mean, that could just be for intel. But I, I think he's out this week. Hey, got to get the intel when you can. You know, <laughs> rip. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, Harrison Smith shuts down a lot of the field. Um, he's certainly not as good as he used to be, but I think Harrison Smith is still Harrison Smith. Um, he's just a, he's a freak. He's an animal. Um, he's a guy that you don't like being matched up against. You don't like to see out there. Um, I think for me that the Vikings here, their offense is clicking. Certainly the bye week is going to help the Bucs. Don't get me wrong. But I think this is going to be an offensive game. Um, the Bucks defense is good. The Vikings defense isn't that great. Um, but I think with the way Cook can run, the way he can work out of the backfield on check down, screen passes, you name it. Um, and I think with the way that Thielen and Jefferson stretch across the field, I think it's just going to be too much for the Bucs. Um, I think the defense steps up for the Vikings and they make that kind of statement win, if you will. You know, bring the Bucks down to seven and six, bring themselves up to seven and six and kind of hold that tiebreaker there um, and keep themselves uh, maybe into the, into the sixth slot there for the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I'm going with the Vikings. Okay, it's going to be interesting too. I mean, I th- I think you're going to see a desperate Vikings team right off the bat because oh, yeah. they're they're fighting for. I mean, they got to fight for everything right now. So I want I want to see how if they come out that way, like how the Bucks respond. Like, do they match that desperation too? Yeah, I think they get Eric Kendricks back if I'm not mistaken. That would be huge for them. I think they do. I know he was out this past week, but I'm pretty sure they said he'd be back this week. So um, that's another thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It'll definitely be a good game there for sure. Um, well, let's move on to an AFC uh, 
AFC playoff uh, matchup, not, not really a playoff matchup, but s- somewhat similar to what the Vikings and Bucks are right now. It's the uh, Colts and the Raiders. Uh, Colts coming off a loss to, no, a win against the Texans, excuse me. And then, of course, the Raiders pulling out that magical win against the uh, Jets. Uh, yeah, yeah, this should this should be an interesting matchup, but uh, question here, uh, does the winner have a spot in the playoffs locked up? Uh, Zach, go ahead. Um, I'm taking the Colts. Uh, I don't think that the Raiders are going to be able to to. I don't. I don't want to say keep up, but I just don't think that they have what it takes to beat them. Um, I know that the the line's close. They're calling it a close game because the Raiders are coming off beating the Jets. You know, it's such an accomplishment for an NFL football team um, to beat a <laughs> FCF school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throwing throwing shade tonight, but. Um, I think that Rivers and Hilton have really started to kind of connect with each other. Um, you know, Hilton's trying to turn it on. Naheem Hines has been otherworldly for them the last few weeks. Jonathan Taylor has been really good. Moali Cox is still there. Um, and, and certainly the defense of the Colts um, can get it done if need be, because I don't know if the Raiders quite have what it takes. And I'm checking the injury report. I think the Raiders are still without Josh Jacobs. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so wow. they're still without Josh Jacobs, which, I mean, their running backs, Devontae Booker's not bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Theo Riddick, I mean, he's okay, I guess. I, I don't know. But <laughs> I I don't know. It's tough to say because Nelson Aguilar can go from catching everything, throwing his way to catching nothing. <clears throat> Henry Ruggs is totally dependent on catching a 45-yard touchdown pass. Zay Jones is, is decent. Um but otherwise, Jason Witten looks like he's running in, in quicksand. Darren Waller is really the only weapon that they have outside of Derek Carr. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think that the the Raiders' offense has enough what, to to keep up um, with what the Colts' defense can pressure them. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking the Colts, and I think that this kind of solidifies the Colts as you know not only being in the playoffs, but potentially could get them back in the division race. Yeah, I, I think if the Colts win this game, they're pretty much a lock for the playoffs. So therefore, yes, they're the Colts are going to be a lock for a playoffs because they are going to win this game. Um, I could I could see this game being a blowout if we're being honest. I, I I don't I don't know. I've never been a I haven't been a big fan of the Raiders this season. They have a nice couple win or a couple nice wins, obviously against the Chiefs and the Saints, which is crazy to think about. But like you said, they'll be without Josh Jacobs. Um, the Colts defense is just outstanding. I think the Colts match up extremely well against them, especially in the trenches on the O-line and the D-line. Um, no matter what running backs back there for the Raiders, they're going to have a tough day. And ultimately, I think it's going to be on the Raiders' offense to win the game because we all know their defense is kind of lacking playmakers and doesn't really have much to work with. So um, I, I think the Colts' defense shuts down the Raiders, and they just, I, I, like I could say, I think this could be a blowout. So I'm going to take the Colts. Um, quick uh, interjection here. I'm just kind of scrolling through the Raiders uh, roster just to see kind of who's healthy and who's not. Um, can we take a minute to appreciate the fact that Marcus Mariota is making $20.92 million this year? On the bench. Really? Yeah. His salary is tw- almost $21 million. Wait, they, they did they sign him though? Or did they yeah. trade for him? No, they signed, no, no, they they signed him. him. They signed him for $20 mil. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. To yeah. sit on the bench. Uh-huh. And Nate, Nate Peterman's the backup, though, the GOAT. Oh, man. <laughs> Greatest like, of all what turnovers. Kind of, what kind of message does that send to Derek Carr, though? Well, Derek Carr's making a million less. 
That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Derek Carr, I mean, in, in my opinion, has been one of the better quarterbacks in football this year. I mean, you're looking at a guy with 3,000 pass yards, 22 touchdowns to five interceptions. I mean, he's been solid 104 rating. Not bad. But Marcus Mariota sitting on the bench pulling in 20 stacks, baby. That's crazy. Yeah, it's unreal. Anyways, man, buddy, I mean, man, are you guys going to have to make me pull an upset move as well? Cause like, okay, come over to the dark side. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't, I don't want to pick the Raiders, so I'm not going to, it's, it's going to be the Colts. It's yeah. It's not even going to be close. You guys pointed out exactly correct. It's just Mo Alley Cox, T Y Hilton, uh, Pascal, all those guys for Phillip rivers. They're they're just going to go off against the uh, Raiders defense and the Colts defense is one of the best in the NFL right now. So they're really going to shut down Derek Carr in that offense. And without Josh Jacobs, they're really going to struggle. They're really going to struggle in the run game there. So, yeah, I I just – I could see this maybe being a close game just because the Raiders are still fighting for a playoff spot. But at the end of the day, I I just trust Phillip Rivers and the Colts more than I do the Raiders. So I'm taking the Colts. Absolutely. Um, Now, this is an interesting matchup for us as Steeler fans. Um, we have two teams that are playing pretty good football. We have the Ravens at Cleveland. Um, the Ravens coming off of a, a win over the Cowboys. The Browns coming off their almost blown win to or blown loss to the Titans. Um, we got Cleveland at home here, and we got the the Ravens getting healthier. Um, who are we going to take here? And we'll start with Dante. I'm taking the Browns, and I'm taking the Browns just because of you know. We talked about it a lot on the podcast. Momentum's dangerous, and when you have momentum, you take it and you keep it for as long as you can have it. And the Browns right now, they have it. And, you know, we said the Ravens beat the Cowboys pretty handedly last night, but is that really, you know, worthwhile? I I, I don't know. The Browns are coming off two great games against the Colts, who are a playoff team, and the Titans, who are also a playoff team. And I I know the Ravens kind of put the Browns on their butt, the first game of the season, but I think that Ravens team and and the Ravens team that we're seeing now is completely different. And you could say the same thing for the Browns. I think I think the Browns are trending in the right direction as the season ends, and I think the Ravens are kind of trending in the way, in the direction that you don't want to. And I, I think the Ravens might have some more questions than answers right now, while the Browns are in the process of figuring themselves out, uh, rallying around their new coach and learning how to win together. So uh, I'm going to go with the dangerous team here that. We talked about earlier the Browns. <laughs> I like the way you said that. True Pittsburghese right there. Um, <laughs> you know, this is tough, obviously, for us being Steelers fans because we we need the Ravens to win this game, obviously. But, you know, I hate to do this to you, Zach, but I'm also taking the Browns. I, I just – I like the way that they're playing right now. They're obviously getting momentum, like you said, Dante, like we talked about earlier before. They're They're feeling dangerous right now. Uh, and I think the the difference maker from in this matchup than the one at the beginning of the season is the Browns are actually going to run the ball. Because when I watched that game week one, it really looked like Kevin Stefanski was like, hey, Baker, we're going to lean heavily on you to win us this game. And obviously Kevin Stefanski after that was like, okay, I know what we have to do now. We have to run the ball with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So those guys are going to be heavily favored and – heavily involved, I think, and it will set up the play action pass for Baker Mayfield to hit Jarvis Landry, 
Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, Austin Hooper, and all the weapons that the Browns have. Uh, I know. I think the Browns' defense will struggle against Lamar still because, like we've talked about, the Browns' defense is very suspect. I know they have Miles. I know they have Miles Garrett. I don't know if they'll have Denzel Ward this week. Not that they necessarily need him, because as we know, Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense is not a passing offense. They are a running first offense. So I think that the Browns will struggle with. Lamar Jackson in the run game, although I will point out that they did shut down Derrick Henry, but I don't think they'll do the same thing twice. But at the end of the day, I'm going with momentum in Cleveland. That's another backfield that just drives me nuts if we're talking yeah. about that. The, the Ravens. Ravens. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, on the story of backfields, this past week playing the Dallas Cowboys, Gus Edwards had 101 yards, J.K. Dobbins 71, Mark Ingram 28, and Lamar Jackson 94. Um. A combined, was that, 37 rushing attempts. Um, basically pulling out, you know, and go to the full stats here. Um, 294 rushing yards on 36 attempts, or 37 attempts. So, um, certainly some efficiency. Um, interesting stats to look at for this game. Um, the Ravens are the number one rushing team in the league. The Browns are number two. They're practically tied in time of possession. They're about 16 seconds apart. Um, points against the Ravens are third in the league. The Browns are 22nd, so the Browns give up a lot more points. Um, and in yards per game, they're both in the bottom half of the league. Pass yards per game, they're 28th and 32nd, respectively, Browns and Ravens. And then sack-wise, they're kind of middle of the pack, 12th and 15th. So the suspect Browns defense, um, Baker Mayfield facing a team that he doesn't have a whole lot of success against. Um, and also, you know, you got Marlon Humphrey um, in the secondary. Um, and the, I mean, the Ravens secondary is pretty disgusting. Um, and then you got Calais Campbell, too. Um, and that offensive line is starting to get a lot more push. They're running the ball well. Um, kind of neutralizes Miles Garrett if that offensive line plays well. So you guessed it. I'm taking the Ravens. <laughs> um, I think that the Ravens are going to win this game because of one experience, two the inability to have success against a team that runs the ball really, really well. Certainly, they shut down uh, Derrick Henry, but you shut down Gus Edwards. You got J.K. Dobbins to deal with. You shut him down. You got Lamar to deal with. You shut him down. You got Mark Ingram to deal with. So, um, and if worse comes to worse, Lamar can still throw the football if needed. They just lean on the running game because one, it chews clock. Two, they're in the lead a lot of the time when they win. And three, why the heck would you throw the ball when you run the ball so well? So. Yeah, you got a defensive play as well. You got the best kicker in the league if it comes down to field goals, um, and your punter's not bad either. So um, I feel like the Ravens can win the offensive and special teams battles here. Um, defensively, I don't know if it so much matters what either team can have because the Ravens' defense is much better than the Browns, um, and it's not even close. So I just kind of feel like it's a it's a matter of the Ravens' offense putting up points, and otherwise the Browns can't just keep just can't keep up. I mean, it's tough because, like, obviously we have to root for the Ravens, and I will be, obviously, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, th- this is really a toss-up, but I- I'm going to stick with my pick as well. Yeah, I'm gonna st- I just think, like, if you're, the, if you're the Ravens, like, thinking of what's going through that locker room right now, like, they are definitely doing some second-guessing about that's def- the locker room. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair point. <laughs> they got Rona going through that locker room. They also got a little bit of doubt going in that locker room, I think. I, I think they're second-guessing themselves. Like, you know, Lamar, we saw him 
take the league by storm last year. Team started to kind of figure him out a little bit. He hasn't really responded the way that many expected him to to that change. Um, you know, yeah, they're they're kind of missing an identity right now, some kind of substance. And you look at the other end, and, and the Browns, they're feeling good. They got an identity. We're going to run the ball down your throat. Baker's going to make plays when he has to. And we're going to try to play good defense. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's why I'm going with the Browns mostly. Real, yeah, no, real quick here. Do we uh, like because uh, the the game against the Cowboys happened like not like yesterday, basically today being Wednesday, yesterday being Tuesday, and um, Des Bryant was supposed to play in that game, and he was warming up. And then they pulled him aside and said, "Hey, you got to go get a Rona test." And then Says, he came out. This, I'm out, baby. Yeah, no, <laughs> he, he tested positive, and then he left the he left the game and basically went on Twitter on a rant and basically said, "Yeah, I'm I'm done for the year." Like, do we actually think that he's done for the year? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I who's no gonna idea. sign him? Well, no, I mean, like he he'll still be on the Ravens, but like, oh no, I think like, he said like I think he meant like I'm actually like just done. So, like, here's my question, though. How does that game still played last night? Yeah. Like, if you got to go on the field during warm-ups and tell this dude he's got Rona, like, you know what I mean? Like, how is yeah, it? Yeah, I, I, I don't know how that game gets played either. Uh, I think Adam Schefter explained it on Twitter or something. Like, there weren't enough close contacts or something like that, so that's why the game went As on. He was hugging oh, Cowboys oh, coaches yeah. and players. Okay, what, is, what, is, what, is, what is what is your definition of close contact there, Adam Schefter? <laughs> I, I, I really don't know. I'm the ESPN analyst, so we'll get into that <laughs> in a few minutes here. Yeah, I, I really don't know. But anyway, let, let, let's move on to our final game, which is our game. It's the uh, Sunday night game, Steelers-Bills, uh, both teams. Uh, the Steelers coming off of a loss to the Washington football team and the Bills coming off a good win against the San Francisco 49ers and interesting enough. I will, I was watching NFL live a little bit today and they kind of were mentioning that this is a statement game for the bills, but I think you can make the same argument for the Steelers too. So I think this could be a statement game for both teams. Um, I don't know about you guys, but you can definitely make the argument for both sides, but who are we going with Dante? Go ahead. Oh man. I certainly hope this doesn't happen, but I'm gonna have to go with the Bills. I think Bills Damn. are playing really well. I don't, I don't know. I mean, but this could be a good thing though for the Steelers. Like we talked about earlier, like you know they need to be punched in the mouth, and they got punched in the mouth this last week. And the Bills, a really physical team, good on defense. Now they have, you know, an improved Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. They've got weapons. I could very easily see the Steelers, like I like we talked about earlier, they play down and they play up. I could very easily see the Steelers just come out going toe to toe with this team. But you know, based off of what's been what I've seen the last couple of weeks out of the Steelers versus the Ravens, versus you know last week or yeah last week against Washington, it's not very. I don't. It's not very. Uh, doesn't doesn't leave me very much confidence that they can beat the Bills this week, especially on a short turnaround or yeah short turnaround with. Monday night. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills. I I could see it going either way, but I, I think I think the Bills are going to win this game just because it's the way the Steelers have been playing. The Bills feeling like they still have something to prove, and it's in Buffalo too. So I mean, there's no fans, but you have to factor that in as well. 
And uh, like I said, if the Steelers do lose, I, I still think it's a good thing for them because they need to, you know, find out, figure out what's going on and be punched in the mouth and see how they can respond. And maybe it'll help them ask themselves, uh, you know, the tough questions that they need to ask. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers here. Um, I think that getting Connor back, if they can get Boswell back, they're going to have Pouncey back. I'm hoping, um, it's going to, it's going to help in terms of one pass protection to the running game. Potentially. I really liked what we were seeing from Jalen Samuels, um, in that Washington game kind of, I'm not going to lean on him to be the starting running back. That's not what I'm saying, but I think just in terms of him spelling Connor a little bit, um, kind of getting those checkdowns, being the guy that he was when he was catching six, seven passes a game. Um, I think the Steelers' defense is still good enough um, to deal with Diggs, Beasley, um, and John Brown. Certainly that's three really good receivers, but you know, you look at our side of the football too with the Steelers, you got Juju Connor, or Juju Connor, Juju Claypool and Johnson, um, three really good receivers. Then you got Ebron and McDonald. Hopefully we see a little more McDonald, a little less Ebron. Um, maybe even just a little more Claypool, a little less Ebron. But um, I think that the whole thing is if Vance McDonald plays more, he helps with run blocking and pass protection. So overall, um, the offensive side of the ball gets a boost. Um, and I think that it's going to be important to note, um, not so much, but it's been 1,088 days since Jesse James caught that football. Um, <laughs> and come Sunday, I think it actually marks like a day after three years since that happened. Is there a Twitter account for that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally called Jesse James caught that ball. Um, (laughs) They tweet every day. But, um, yeah, I I think that the Steelers are going to make that statement win. I think that they can kind of silence all the critics. Certainly you're not going to go 16-0. Certainly 15-1 is a great season. It masks into a lot of teams that – you know, everybody but the Dolphins and the Patriots that have lost football games, um, you kind of get lost in the shuffle. But I think it's an, impor- an important and a big win for this team. Um, and I think that they're going to come out motivated. I think that um, Randy might just let Ben call his own plays like he was doing when it was working. Um, and I think that that might be the way to go. The drops are probably going to be solved for the most part as well because the targets are going to go down. Yeah, and I was going to add real quick, too, for, for Eve's sake, hopefully they get Derek Watt involved sometimes or some way, too. Man, if I see him wide open the end zone one more time and not get thrown to, I'm going to lose it. So, oh, like, the, in, like, in why that. did they, they – the Titans game, why did they throw that random D lineman in there at fullback instead of Derek Watt? Like, was he out earlier in the year? He was remember. out. He was he was yeah. out that game. Oh, I was going to say, like, <laughs> what is well, you know, You know the reason they signed him was the hometown discount for TJ. Yeah. When they have to back up the Brinks truck to his freaking house. <laughs> yeah, it, pretty much. <laughs> but like um the reason I think this is a statement game for both teams is because the Bills are trying to prove to the world to the world that hey, listen, we're, we're the second best team in the conference. We can take on the Chiefs. We can take them down. We're, we're the better team here. But the Steelers, you know, like you said Zach, they're trying to silence the critics. They're they're trying to say, hey, listen, we're still that team that nobody believes in because nobody believes in the Steelers right now. The, everyone, like I said, everyone's saying that, oh, they played a weak schedule. They're the weakest 11-1 and team in the in, in NFL history, basically. So they're trying to prove to everybody, like, hey, listen, we're that team from earlier in the year where we were blo- um, blowing some people out and finding ways to win games. So I'm sorry, Dante, but I'm also taking the Steelers. I, I I have trust in Ben Roethlisberger. I 
still have that trust in Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, not that that ever left or anything, but I, I think based on what I'm hearing from Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger, I think the Steelers are going to get the run game involved somehow, and they will run the ball more in this game. And yes, I really hope that they get Derek Watt involved because he needs to be involved somehow. Um, and then on the defensive side of the two, I the Bills' defense is just not that is just not that good as it was last year. They're they're not the same defense. The Steelers' defense they're still playing at that great level. Uh, hopefully, Alex Highsmith can you know get more involved and maybe be the pass rusher that he is instead of you know hey I'm trying to be. Bud Dupree or anything because we all know about TJ Watt he's going to ball out he's going to do his thing Cam Hayward Stefan Tua Tyson Alawalu they're going to do their things as well uh I'm interested to seeing how Avery Williamson does in his first start for the Steelers uh that trade for him really looks good right now and then obviously in the secondary Terrell Edmonds Minka they're gonna they're gonna ball out especially Minka uh good news is that we're getting Steven Nelson back uh hopefully I'm hoping that we can get Joe Hayden back. He's still in concussion protocol, but um, even if he misses this game, I I still have faith in Cam Sutton or Justin Lane or whoever's going to fill in for him. And then going back on the offensive side of the ball, like you said, Zach, Marquise Pouncey, he was a huge factor in our running game and in our passing game too. So if we can get him back, it will be our running game and passing game would be really good. And then Ben drawing plays up, letting him call his own plays that that's what, Randy should should let Ben Roethlisberger do, and hopefully he does. So yeah, I think it'll be a close game at at time, but I think but I'm trusting Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, so I'm taking the Steelers. Yeah, just real quick, like Cam Sutton, that dude's a player, man, and I feel like he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Like he's probably the best slot corner in the league. You know, if yeah, he, he's an animal. Well, actually, no, the best the best slot corner in the league right now is Mike Hilton. Because oh he, he 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 balled out. He was probably the best defensive player on that field outside of TJ Watt. On I don't know Monday why night. he doesn't play more. I mean, I get it; he's undersized, but like he deserves I'm to. Sorry, play I, meant, more. I meant to say Hilton. I'm sorry. No, no, you're I good. Don't know, yeah. I don't know why I said Sutton. I don't know why I said Cam Sutton. No, you're good. no, no, you're good. But um, just going off of Sutton here real quick because I mean he he's still a stud too. Uh, he. You know, there was that one pass at the at the beginning of the third quarter where Alex Smith hit uh Thomas. And if Cam Sutton stays on his feet and jumps up in the air, he makes the play. He makes the interception. So I, I have trust in Sutton if he. I have trust in Sutton if he uh, plays in in place of uh, Joe Hayden on Sunday night. For sure. I mean, it's definitely going to be. Um, you know, we have replacements that can finally like actually play football. Um, but that's a wrap on our football talk. We're going to get into finally some NHL news <laughs> that is not. I was going to. Saying, finally. Say the, the moment you guys have been waiting oh for. Oh my goodness. Finally. I can finally say something that is different than they still have no idea. There's no <laughs> update. They're arguing. They're like four-year-old children trying to get the green crayon out of the box first. So hey, you, know, you know what the beauty of it is? What's that? You can wake up tomorrow morning and that could be the case again. Yep. So we're just going to roll with this right now. A couple days ago, the NHL had announced or it came out that there is going to be a season that it was agreed that it would start on January 13th and it would be a 56-game season, handing out the cup by the beginning of July. Um, basically, the league had asked for the players to give up more money and they needed more money to make up for the lost wages or the lost um, income. 
And the league finally said, all right, we're done arguing. We'll just go back to the deal we made in July. Don't know why they didn't do that a month ago, but I get their attempts. Um, so now we actually have a season to look forward to. Division realignment is going to take place. Um, I'm going to start out by saying I made a comment about ESPN reporters. Greg Wyshynski, um, you are now on the bad word list because we don't really swear <laughs> on here. Um, <laughs> he's, he came out on ESPN and tried to say that the divisions were what he thought they were. Um, but actually, he was dead wrong and completely forgot the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, Is that a bad thing, though? No, not necessarily. <laughs> but when, you're, when your job is to be like reporting on the NHL and you're the only guy ESPN employs pretty much to talk about the NHL, um, yeah. it's not a good look, um, especially if you're vying for the next TV deal with the NHL. Definitely got to get that work done. Um, yeah. Anyways, we're looking at divisions of – uh, the Eastern Division will be Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, the Islanders, Rangers, Flyers, Penguins, and the Capitals. Basically, the Metro with the inclusion of Buffalo and the exclusion of Carolina, or Boston and Buffalo, the exclusion of Carolina and Columbus. Uh, the new Central Division is Carolina, Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, and Tampa. And the West Division is Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Dallas, Los Angeles, San Jose, St. Louis, and Vegas. And every Canadian team, East and West, is their own division. Um, it looks like something's actually going to happen. Um, and I will say that Frank Severelli absolutely flamed Greg Wyshynski. Um, might be one of the funniest exchanges I've seen in hockey writer uh, history. But, yeah, we actually have a season coming. The NHL looks like something's going to finally happen training camps will probably open in the next couple weeks um, especially for teams that weren't in the return to play um, but yeah Dante I'll leave it up to you now we have uh, a season yeah man something that we I mean looking back even a couple weeks ago a month ago we didn't think was going to be possible and you know I just wanted to start off by saying like with everything going on and stuff like that I, I honestly could see an art you could make an argument for both sides so the owners, they wanted or they needed more deferred money because, you know, the COVID and everything that's going on and they'd lose money. And and I get that. And the players have every right to be absolutely PO'd about that because, you know, they just came up with the new CBA and it was a June or July. And this is like early July before the return to play. I think it was like the eighth. Yeah. And, and that's honestly what makes it look so bad in my eyes is that the owners, they just negotiated a new CBA in early July. And now like not even four or five months later, they're like, all right, we need to change this up again. But I mean, I'm just glad that they decided, you know what, this isn't worth it. It, We need a season. Like we can't let this 10, 15% deferred money harm potentially the next five, even immediate, like two, three years of the game. Because whether you, they like it or not, they desperately, and I mean desperately, need an NHL season this year just based off the fact that their TV contract's up. And they need that to be massive if they're going to compete. I mean, they're already, what, fourth? I, I'd say fourth in the pro sports in the United States with the NFL, NBA, MLB, and then the NHL. So if you yeah, risk, it's not close. Like, if you risk not playing the season, like, imagine how much 
wider that gap gets. And they've done so much to even get to where they are now in the United States to grow the game. So well, I'm just, I'm just happy they decided to put their differences aside and say, you know, what, let's just go out and play. Well, if you look at the TV deals, the NFL deals almost $5 billion. The NBA deals like three and a half. The MLB is pushing $850 million, And the NHL previous one is like uh, a quarter of a billion. So they're like $250 million. So yeah. the gap's terrible. They're... Their next one's going to be much better. They're probably going to push that three quarters of a billion because they're going to try and get two networks in it. Um, but basically, for those of you who may not know, um, the players agreed to give up 10% of their salaries, full given up, and then they were going to give up, I think it was 13% to escrow, which they would end up getting 3% back at the end of the year from the owners. So initially, they agreed to give up 23% of their salaries with getting 3% back. The NHL came to them and said, nope, we want you to give up 26%, so increase the, the uh, loss of salary by 16%, and then said in escrow, we want another 12%. So they were going to be giving up 51% of their salaries, retain it, and they would get back, like I think it was 5.5% at the end of the year. Um, so basically the players were going to play for half their, their contracts. You know, guys that are making, you know, Sidney Crosby money at $8.7 million, you're still going to make four and a quarter. But guys on league minimum going from 700000 to 350000 is not viable. Um, and those are the guys that were the most pissed off. Um, and they have every right to. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's obviously $8 million is a ton of money. And anyone here or anyone would love to have $8 million. Yes, like, please. But compared to like the other major sports too, like the NHL players don't make nearly as much. I think the highest paid NHL players is McDavid, right? And he makes 12, 12 and a half, 12 and a half. The highest paid NHL player makes 12 and a half million dollars a year. That's essentially Patrick a league Mahomes. minimum for an MLB starter at this point. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is going to be making 40 or 50. I think he makes like four him. times what McDavid makes. So, and that's the league's best player. So, I mean, you have to think of it that way too. Like if it was half of an NFL person, like NFL player salary, like, yeah, that, it's going to sting, but it probably won't sting as much because they get paid so much more. But like, like you said, with the NHL, a lot of guys, and then a lot of guys even had to take pay cuts to even sign contracts. I mean, we saw with the Penguins, they signed a couple guys, Jankowski, uh, Rodriguez, 700 K. Those guys are legit NHL players. Like, so not only did they have to take play or pay cuts to even sign one with a team because of the cap, but they also asked for more like to be deferred and stuff. I don't know. It was just a messy situation. Yeah, but basically to wrap up, as we're approaching the two-hour mark, um, our longest pod for sure, the NHL is going to have a season. The The league is finally understanding that the need for a season outweighs the need for money right now. Um, you can make it back eventually with a new TV deal. Um, and everything in the NHL is on a three-year plan. You know that they're going to make money in three years um, and kind of make up for it. So we have a season. As free agency picks up again, trades will start picking up. Um, we're going to keep everybody updated, but as we look towards the January 13th start date, we are certainly excited, but that's, uh, that's going to wrap it up here for this episode of the pod. Um, I think it was a great episode. Glad to have Dante back on. Um, yeah, I think it was really good. And, uh, I think we'll see you guys again next week around the same time. That sounds good. See you guys. Sounds good. Thanks guys. See ya. See ya.